At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, September 30th, and today we're going to be continuing our division by division previews, fantasy previews, as we arrive in the Western Conference with the Pacific Division. We'll be talking Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, and more coming up on this episode as we hit some of the key fantasy storylines for all of those teams. I'm joined by Raphael Johnson and Noah Rubin. Raph, we've got kind of a Friday streak going here. I think this might be our or third Friday in a row? Something uh, like two. that? Two. two. Okay, it, feel, it feels like three. That makes it sound like it. Yeah, okay, anyways. Uh, but but I, part of the reason we have a streak of two going is uh, our colleague Jonas Nader seems to be having some major laptop issues. So I just want to uh, wish Jonas's computer well. Um, did, Noah, do you have an update? I feel like you seem dialed into this situation. I don't have an update. I just okay. know that he just okay. doesn't have his laptop yet. That's all yeah. I know. Okay. I think he's I've still been, waiting for it to uh, be returned to him. So um, free right. Jonas's laptop. Yeah, yeah. I've been refreshing the Roto World Player News page for updates on Jonas's, yeah. and refreshing the app. Anywhere I am, I'm basically looking for a Jonas's laptop blurb. But uh, yeah. So uh, all right. Well, best best of luck to uh, Jonas and his computer. Let's get started here. Um, Pacific Division. We we talked Eastern Conference the last three weeks. So go back. And check out each of those divisions. Uh, we're going to start in Golden State. Uh, they apparently won the championship last year. And uh, coming off that title run, I want to ask you guys about your comfort level with drafting the Warriors veterans in fantasy. And I primarily think of that as the Steph, Clay, Draymond core. Now, I assume we feel pretty good about Steph as a fantasy, you know, mid first rounder or or thereabouts, maybe slightly after that, but right around there. But Raph, what about Clay and Draymond? I mean. Are these guys, would you categorize them as stay-aways for you in a season where we assume rest is going to be a priority? Or is there a spot where you'll say, all right, well, Clay's there, Draymond's there, I, I got to take him. Yeah, I think with both of these guys, you're kind of hoping for like that 60-game threshold. Like we mentioned 65 mm-hmm. a lot on this podcast. I think you're yeah. looking more at 60 to kind of give, give a little leeway for that combination of rest and potential injuries. Um in terms of which where I would go, I think, I don't know, like seventh or eighth round or somewhere around mm-hmm. there, like the middle of drafts is where I would kind of think about either one of those guys. But mm-hmm. at, at that point, I also feel like there you can kind of take some swings on some other players that you may feel a little more comfortable with in terms right. of the games played. So I think they're both they're both middle round guys for me personally. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. I think Steph is. Easily first round or mid first, probably six to eight range is very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, Clay and Draymond, personally, I'm less interested in drafting them. But I think it really depends on how available they are. Raf mentioned seventh, eighth round. That's exactly what I had written down in my notes. Clay in the seventh, Dre in the eighth. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be reaching for them at all. Um, on Yahoo, their ADP, Draymond's at 77, Clay's is 62. 
Okay. I think that's just a little high on both of them, but I think it's, you know, at some point they're just good values getting them a round or two after their ADP. And that's when you, that's when I'd probably go for them, but I'm, I'm not super interested in either of those guys at this point in their career. Yeah. I mean, with clay, just looking at what he did last year after he returned, he was around 20 points, four boards, three assists, half a steal, half a block and three and a half threes, just rounding those numbers off. I mean, you're getting a lot of points and threes. You're not getting a ton else there at this stage. I mean, Draymond, on the flip side, you can say, well, this guy, when he plays last year, seven and a half points, 7.3 boards, seven assists, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks. I mean, there's a lot to like there fantasy-wise if you can absorb that hit in points. Seven assists and a block pretty late in your draft is nice, but the games played are just going to be a huge question. Only 46 of them last year, and that is not close to our... Uh, 65 or even 60 numbers. So that's my hesitation there. Um, let's look at these other guys, the young guys specifically. I want to talk about the younger guys who appear to be ticketed for bench roles. And I mean Jordan Poole and James Wiseman. Uh, Wiseman had 20 points in a preseason game. Was that preseason game today? In it was. I'm confused. Early Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it was the, the, the 12, 13-hour time difference throws me off. But uh, good start for him in a preseason game. But... Uh, Noah, what's your intrigue level for uh, Poole and Wiseman in fantasy drafts? Yeah, so I think one of the big numbers you're looking at here, because you mentioned uh, the games played for some of the veterans, the Warriors have 15 back-to-backs, which is tied for the most in the league. So that's at least 15 games that probably Mm -hmm. those three stars aren't playing. So that really allows for Wiseman, Poole, some of the other young guys to have some like a handful of games where they're the guys. So you mentioned Wiseman's game, 20 points, nine boards, a block, eight for 11 shooting. It doesn't mean that much. It was a game in Japan against the Wizards' first preseason game. Everybody's just trying to get, I guess, some rust out. I mean, everybody shot horribly except for yeah. Wiseman. So yeah. I think he's a guy that, you know, former number two overall pick was drafted over LaMelo Ball at one point. The dude is talented. He's a guy that you'd probably want to take a late round flyer on. Uh, mm-hmm. Hope for some high upside, but I mean, as of right now, Kavon Looney is the starter, and if you're not starting over Kavon Looney, you're probably not going to do too much in fantasy basketball. Um, wow, and then Jordan harsh. Poole. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just got I just got to call it how I see it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Poole, his ADP on Yahoo, 68. I'd probably do that. Me personally, I would, because um, those 15 back to backs, he's going to be the main ball handler, get plenty of shots, get assists. Um, but then even when those guys do play, uh, 25 games off the bench last season, he averaged 13.7 points, 1.8 triples, 3.6 assists, 2.8 rebounds. I still think, you know, he's a very solid player. You saw him show up in big moments in the NBA Finals. I think he's a guy that I would probably, probably draft at 68. I think I'd go a little earlier on Poole. I mean, he's someone that I would consider taking a reach on. Um because as we mentioned with the veterans and the possibility of them getting some rest days and also injuries as well, I think he's a guy that can be one of the elite six men in the NBA uh, this Hmm. season. And, you know, 68, I think that's fair if you want to go there, but if someone wanted to go like 60 around there, even a little bit earlier, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And Wiseman, I think you're bet you're hoping that he can get like 23 to 25 minutes per game there. I think he can get some potential for a late round steal there. Um, and one other guy we probably need to mention is Jonathan Kaminga. 
you know, because with the Draymond factor, if he's not going to be able to hit like 60 games, I can definitely envision a scenario in which a guy like Kaminga steps forward because he has the athleticism to be a factor defensively, a really good finisher. You're not going to expect him to score like 15, 17 points per night, but I think he can sure. make up for that in other areas. So I think Kaminga, I, I would have him along the lines of Wiseman in terms of a late round guy, but Poole's someone that really excites me fantasy-wise. Interesting. First of all, I'm shocked, Noah, that you're telling me a minute ago that you can't just cut and paste that 20 and 9 from Wiseman onto his regular <laughs> stat line. I thought that's what we were doing. Like you 20 need to and 9. Hear that. You need put, to put it on the board. Yeah. Uh, as for Poole, that's interesting because you guys are both higher on him than I am currently. And I hadn't really settled where I have him, but I'm going to file this away. Um, I'm still a little hesitant. I mean, I think when they're all healthy, it's like the guy, and I guess if he's coming off the bench and he can be the featured guy there, that could really help. But, you know, I don't know. There, there's a lot of guys ahead of him in terms of shots on that roster when they're at full health. So that's my concern. But I'm going to dig into that one filing away those numbers that you guys just mentioned uh, on pool. Let's move now to the Clippers. And uh, first off here, uh, obviously two stars coming off of injury, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George Raff. Uh, who are you more inclined to trust here coming off of their respective injuries, Kawhi, Paul George, or neither? Neither. You're out. Yeah. I think in terms of the per game numbers, you're going to trust both. The resumes are there, but yeah, how many games are we going to get out of these guys? Um, because of 65. <laughs> I don't know no, if someone's going to hit that. <laughs> you hope, but um, like I can't trust either to hit 60 games to be honest with you. So uh -huh. I know I've, I've been in some mocks. So I've seen him go like second or even third round. Oh, That's. <laughs> Yeah, not second or third overall. <laughs> let's, let's be clear on that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the per, like I said, the per-game value will certainly be there, but how many games are you going to get? Especially when you look at that roster and how deep it is. There's even more incentive, you know, ability for Ty Lue to rest those guys a bit more than you would probably want from a fantasy standpoint. So, I don't know. That's that. They both feel like players that you let them be someone else's problem as opposed to yours. Raph, you kind of talked me out of my uh, my take on it. I was going to say maybe I'm too hopeful. <laughs> no, come yeah. on, Noah. Don't don't be yeah, swayed. You, you, Let's. Yeah. Ahead, I was just man. saying. I was maybe it's too hopeful, hoping for 55 to 60 games. They have 15 back to backs. Um, again, like the Warriors, most in the league. Um, they've mentioned a nice workload plan in place for both of those guys along, along with a number of other vets. I think I'd trust Kawhi more than Paul George mm -hmm. just because, I mean, the way he's looked so far, uh, I know there's been a lot of like pictures of him working out, videos of him working out. He looks mm -hmm. good. The quote is that he wants to participate in literally everything, but they're trying to limit him. I think, you know, after a year away from basketball, the last time he played uh, was they were really close, probably could have pushed for the NBA finals if he didn't get hurt. I think he's going to want to be out on the court as much as possible. I think he will take his rest days, probably have a couple minor injuries to miss a few games. I'm thinking both of them could probably play 55 to 60 games. Um, and, I mean, Raph, you mentioned second, third round. I think I would definitely take both of them in the third round, potentially late second round as well, just because, I mean, they're too talented. If they play 60 or, dare I say it, 65 games, like <laughs> they could be league winners if you're getting them in the yeah. third round. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, 
So Paul George, his games played the last three seasons are 48, 54, and 31. Um, his cumulative stat line with the Clippers is great. I mean, 23 points, around six boards, five assists, a steal and a half, 3.23s. That's in 133 games with the Clippers. But man, I think where I land on this one is like Ka- Kawhi Leonard was a fantasy headache before he missed a year um, with an ACL. You know, he was, it was, you would see him on other people's rosters and you'd see, you'd, you'd hear the complaints. Like, I, I don't know. I just think like, is he going to be less of a headache now? Um, I, that's my concern. And especially in the third round, there's so many players I like in that. Mm-hmm. even beyond the third round. You know, there's so many players I'm excited about where you don't have to draft the injury baggage or the risk of, I mean, 60 games, we're, we're talking about if they can play 60 games. That's an annoying number for a player to play. Yeah. And fa- like, that's that's a low number, you know? not It's not a low number for today's NBA, but for fantasy, that's going to cause you some problems. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to kind of tread water and you just hope that the missed games aren't during the fantasy playoffs. So I'm not fully out, but if we're talking second and third round for these guys, I am. That's where yeah. I'm at right now. That's fair. I think but Noah, you don't let us talk you out of it. You Never. draft yeah. them. <laughs> you draft them. Deal. I will I will make sure of it. Okay. Okay. So the rest of this team is in my eyes, anyways. You guys can tell me if you disagree, but it, it's littered with kind of what looked like a number of value draining platoons. I mean, you've got John Wall and Reggie Jackson at point guard. You've got, you know, Norm Powell and Terrence Mann uh at shooting guard, among other guys. I mean I look at the whole roster, and then I look at center, and I see the one spot maybe where there's just like bright, shining clarity, and that's, believe it or not, if it's a Zubots. So, Noah, how do you feel about uh, Zubots as a potential fantasy value this year? I mean, apparently, like the rest of the Clippers, I'm really high on him. Um, <laughs> last year, he averaged in just 24.4 minutes per game. 10.3 points, eight and a half rebounds, mm-hmm. a blocks, shot 63% from the floor. But when you look at the box scores, you'd like pretty consistently see Zubats plays 24 minutes, Hartenstein plays 18 minutes, and even when they had Serge Ibaka, he was playing six minutes. Like uh, they were never played together, and it was always like really just a minute split. So I think that's what really limited his minutes. But now you mentioned they don't really have another center on the team. They've talked about playing Nicholas Batum and Terrence Mann at center poor terrence Stop. man they've asked him to do <laughs> literally everything they asked him to play point guard last year and now he yeah. put on a few pounds and they're asking him to play some center this year <laughs> it doesn't, I, I it just, doesn't work that way it doesn't you can't just take but a shooting guard him. slash small forward and be like okay you're a center now yeah yeah, yeah. he no, added good. 10 fine. pounds matt he's ready oh, to play center in the nba oh. <laughs> okay. 10 should do it you're right but i expect him zubats not terrence man to play 28 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes per game, just because of the lack of other center Mm -hmm. options, unless they just want to go really small, which they have the flexibility to do. Um, I could see a top 100 finish pretty easily from Zubats this season, especially if we see him, you know, average a double, double, maybe a block and a half. Maybe that's too optimistic, but that's kind of, it's kind of what I'm hoping for this year. Rap too optimistic or no? No, I think that's perfectly fair because right now the only other traditional center on their roster is Moses Brown. Um, I thought you were going to say Robert Covington. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They like Moses, but it's not going to be a situation where they had with Isaiah Hartenstein last year where you knew he was going to get 16, 18 minutes per night and play pretty well in those minutes. Obviously, like like you mentioned earlier, the Clippers can play small. There's some plans to do that. Um, 
I don't know about the whole Terrence Mann thing if that's going to work out, but if John Wall to tr- is going to play some center too. Yeah, <laughs> you know if they're if they're willing to try it, you know a lot of teams are going smaller, so you can kind of play that scramble mode in a sense. But uh-huh. yeah, I think expecting Zubats to play 28, 30 minutes per game, I think it's perfectly fair. He's going to get you rebounds. He's a decent finisher. If he can consistently get you that one to one point five blocks per game. You're really going to like where you're sitting fantasy-wise. I don't know if I would take him with, like, a top 100 pick, but I think right after that threshold is where he should be coming off the board. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you got only last year's numbers, which Noah mentioned, I think you'd be fine with it, but there's a potential for more. Uh, Just 25 years old for a guy who feels like he's been around longer than that, and he did play 76 games as well. So, uh, yeah. Plenty to like there with if it's a Zubats uh, outside the top 100, if you can get in there, as you said. Uh, let's move to the Lakers now. Um, simply, we're going to start at the top of the roster. What's your optimism on the big two? I'm saying the big two here, LeBron <laughs> and AD, staying healthy. Who are you more inclined to gamble on in fantasy? You have the neither one option as well here, if you want to if you want to use it. Now, that that's your decision. Yeah, I'm going to say LeBron but only barely. I think he's hit the 65-game mark once in his four seasons with the Lakers. Um, Two other years, he's played at least 55 games. So I think you have a better chance of of getting something of tangible value from him if he Uh does have an injury. Um, Anthony Davis, including his last season with the Pelicans, what, two seasons of at least 55 games or more, um, but he's only yeah. played in 76 total over the last two seasons. It's not good. Look, the per-game value for both of these guys is there, but if you made me pick one of them, I think the easy answer is LeBron James, just because the overall track record, I kind of, I think, kind of speaks for itself here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not taking either with a first-round pick, but mm-hmm. I think LeBron in the second round, I think that would be fair. Davis is going to go really high in drafts just because of what we've seen from him when he's on. The, I, I do. You think, I, I don't. You think I wouldn't do first it. Round in some drafts, second. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. But somebody's going to do it because they're going to see yeah. the press clippings and they're going to think about what he did, what he's done when healthy. Oh, he'll be right. a first round. Okay, and now he's on the sidelines for about two or three weeks, and I guarantee uh-huh. you, someone's going to do it. I wouldn't do it, but someone's going to do it. Noah, yeah. do you have his? Uh, do you have those Yahoo ADPs pulled up in front of you? Not for those two. No. I don't. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Never mind. When you mentioned the big two, I thought it was Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook. So I prepared. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I like Ref said. Somebody's probably going to take AD in the first round. I hope it's someone in one of my leagues because I'm not going to be taking him in the first <laughs> round. I, I hope I'm playing against somebody uh, that does that. But I definitely trust LeBron more than Anthony Davis. I think. I don't know. It's kind of like a realization of they didn't make even the play in tournament last season. I think that's going to be an added motivation to get back. I think it's a team that's ready to win. They brought in Patrick Beverly and that hasn't looked like a mess yet uh, with everybody they've kind of brought in. I think the Lakers have a bounce back season, kind of, sort of, not like a, oh, top four seed in the West now, just because they felt like being healthy. But I think that they're going to be more competitive than they were last season. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely trust LeBron more than AD. I would potentially take LeBron late first, but definitely in the second round. AD, I probably be, I don't even know if I would. I'd probably just let somebody else take him. I think that's somebody that it's I just probably would avoid, even if it's 
even if it's like, you know, maybe early third round, I probably still would just let somebody else get a great value on a guy. I'm, I'm not trusting him. I have a note here from someone named Raphael Johnson in our private chat that uh, LeBron's ADP is 12.4. Anthony Davis's is 19.3. And Noah, you and I are actually in a slow draft right now where uh, AD went 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you took LeBron, by the way. 13th. I did. I trust him uh, more than Anthony Davis. <laughs> there's also a roster here where someone got Trey Young in the first round and DeJounte Murray in the second round. And that I was, was telling them, pretty good. I was telling them you were the true Hawks fan in the Hawks division. <laughs> it's the Hawks division of this draft. And everyone's just, uh, you're going to let me get Trey and DeJounte. Okay. That's fine I mean, with me. Back, you got to back it up, man. You got to get John Collins and Clint Capella the next two rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think I might take Cam Reddish in the third. Um, all right. Oh, uh, moving on for moving on to other parts of this Lakers roster. There are a couple spots in this roster where we look to be really thin, just in terms of depth and and some oper- That means some fantasy opportunity. There's shooting guard with Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves in the picture right now, and there's center where it's Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones. Noah, where do you see the value here? And follow up: Is there value here? There is value, but I don't really know how much. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I like certain players in the situation. Um, yeah. Lakers have said they like Patrick Beverly as more of a three and D wing than a point guard. So you have to factor him in as well. So it's, he's going to play center. Actually, he's going to play center. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> apologies. Apologies. Yes, absolutely. There's three, there's no log jam with, it's not Thomas Bryan and Damian Jones. It's Dennis Schroeder and, and Patrick. Beverly. Yeah. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I like Lonnie Walker's situation. It's very similar to what we saw with Malik Monk last season, where he came in after being kind of like a, a lottery pick on a team just it just didn't work out and now he kind of signs a one-year deal in la could it work out the same as malik monk i guess i mean we'll just have to see uh austin mm-hmm. reeves i really like uh austin reeves his work ethic i think the quotes from over the summer where the lakers were just begging him to go take a break and he just said no i'm going to keep practicing i think that's kind of a quality that it's like okay like i'd probably take him with a, a late round pick um and as far as the center's I know Dom, or Thomas Bryant has been good in the past. I just don't trust him for what he did last season. Could he bounce mm-hmm. back? Sure. Uh, but I don't see him bouncing back from a standpoint that he's playing next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and all these guys that are going to take shots, have the ball in their hand. I don't see him bouncing back from a standpoint of getting points and hitting a couple, like a triple and some rebounds the way he has in the past. But for some reason, I'm a little higher on Damian Jones. He hasn't been a great rebounder throughout his career, uh, but the, at the end of last season, the Kings actually played him in a legit role, and I think he had like a 17-rebound game at one point uh, over the last few games. He had 13 blocks over his last six games, including like a six-block game. Like He has the potential. If the Lakers slot him next to Anthony Davis, let him play, let AD play the four, that could help with AD's longevity, and I could see Damian Jones... Probably not a guy I'm like actually considering taking in a standard league, but maybe in a deeper league that could provide some blocks. Mm-hmm. I know that there was also reports that he's working on his three-point shot. That could make him even more valuable to stretch the floor. Um, but overall, as far as just like a standard league, I don't really know if you're taking anybody on the Lakers other than LeBron and Anthony Davis. Right. Why could we all not keep a straight face when we thought about Damian <laughs> Jones? I mean, he has yeah. hit threes before, right? Like he's done yeah. it. We've seen him hit a I three mean, before, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, can go, we can go through NBA history and see a lot of people have made a three-pointer who probably shouldn't be taking them on a consistent right. basis. So, Like Andre Drummond? We need to add that. Yeah, we need to add that caveat to the equation. But um, in terms of these supplementary options, I don't really feel very good about any of them. You know, you, you mentioned the note about Patrick Beverly being thought of more as a wing than as a point guard. I think that takes away from both Walker and Reeves because mm-hmm. the overall resume that Patrick Beverly has in terms of you know being a player in the NBA is 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 longer than either of those guys. So if they're in the fight for like a playoff spot, um, playoff seating, I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt before either of those two, especially for a first year head coach. Um, the center position, I like Jones' defensive potential. I think Bryant can, if he can re- recapture what he was before the knee injury in Washington, maybe there's some sneaky value to be had there. But how much can we really expect either of those guys to play? Because I think in a, right. in a closing lineup, you're going to have Anthony Davis at the center position. So yeah, that probably takes both of those guys off of the floor. Um, closing times what five six minutes? So. Mm-hmm. That point, they're probably. I don't know if either one's going to start. So, fifteen minutes tops for either of those guys. I don't think that's enough to really commit to either in a draft. Fifteen, ouch. Yeah, I mean, Bryant's per now his last three seasons he's played forty six, ten, and twenty seven games. His per thirty six minutes numbers last year actually were plenty solid. Sixteen half points, around nine boards, one point seven blocks, one point oh threes. But as you said, I mean, we might be projecting him for half of those minutes, even if he's. Yeah. Even if he's, you know, in the mid twenties in terms of minutes, I mean, what are we talking about based on those per thirty six minute numbers? Are we talking about eleven points and five rebounds, maybe a block? I mean, so deep league, I guess there's a best case scenario where you're liking Thomas Bryant. By the way, is this Lakers team like I, because of the star power? I could certainly see it being good, but then I look at the roster. I'm like, is this team going to be horrible? I, I does anyone have a, a lean on that one? I'm just, I'm just. All curious. the stars have to align. I mean, yeah. I don't think Patrick Beverly has ever missed the playoffs, other than the one year yeah. he was injured. Okay. He's been very, True. very clear about that. And True. I could see them. I, I legitimately see them making it back to the playoffs. I don't know exactly how the standings would play out. Maybe I look at it and say, actually, maybe not. There's definitely eight teams better than them. But yeah. I, I could definitely see. I'm if LeBron and AD magically play in that 65 game threshold or around there magic number. I wouldn't bet on it, Mm -hmm. but if they both do, then I mean, that's two guys that are probably top 10 talents when healthy. Yeah. 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 Okay. We have more to come. Uh, The Suns and the Kings and some, also some quick hitting recent news, but first we're going to take a quick break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. 
We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chiefs and Buccaneers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Also, to get you ready for the NBA season, which is apparently approaching, our Roto World team is rolling out Hoops Fest on Thursday, October 6th, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern. Tune Tune in as we broadcast live mock drafts and answer your questions for the upcoming season on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, and you'll also be able to listen after the fact wherever you download and subscribe to your podcasts. Guys, before we get started, I've noticed... Noah, I think you've had jerseys behind you before, but there are four now. Is this a new development? Um, I think this is the second time I've had four. Okay. Before it was okay. two. Okay, I didn't know I didn't know yeah. the other time. I'm just uh, We got a Chris making, Paul Clippers. Yeah. We've got a LeBron Heat. Yep. We've got a classic Josh Smith Hawks. And then there's a graphic in our stream here which I covering up what appears to be a Kings jersey, but I can't tell which one that is. It is Tyreek Evans. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I wore nothing but basketball jerseys, a couple football jerseys from like fourth and fifth grade. So I just have so many. Yes. (laughs) To last summer. That is good. (laughs) So I just have somehow saved them all. And now they make a great background for podcasts. And I can just kind of cycle through different players. So it's fun. Yeah. The Josh Smith in particular really warms the heart. I have to have at least one. Brings me some joy. Okay. Uh, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns. Let's start with uh, a relatively recent development um, based on what DeAndre Ayton said at Media Day, which is essentially that he and Monty Williams have not talked since that incident where Monty Williams benched him and then said it was internal. Ayton only played 17 minutes in that closeout game. It seems like there's some awkwardness here, right, between the Suns and Ayton. He tried to leave for the Pacers. The Suns matched. What do we do now? They can't trade him for a while. Raph, does any of this matter for fantasy as you project Aiton's outlook? I think it depends on the start that the Suns get off to. Like if they play pretty well to start the season, I think they'll be okay. Um, mm-hmm. If they get off to a slow start, then maybe some of those things come back to the forefront. You know, he if you think about it, the amount of money that the Suns could have paid him in a match is like $179 million. He ends up getting 133 So, yeah could be talking about 46 million dollars in feelings if, if they get off to a slow start you it's know a lot of, um, a lot of feelings but it's a lot yeah of and <laughs> exactly so in terms of his fancy value i think he's still going to be consistent but mm-hmm. yeah we'll see what happens I, I think if anything it may whatever feelings may linger between the two could potentially limit his ceiling as opposed to lower his floor I think it's mm-hmm. something I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I want to see how it looks over the next, you know, like a little bit of practice and training camp, those few preseason games uh, before I like really draw a conclusion on it. Because right now I want to say I'm not touching DeAndre Ayton. Like just the mm-hmm. quotes that he yeah. said was, was like, no, I haven't talked to him. Are you happy here? 
I guess I'm here. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was the least enthusiastic media day I've ever seen. And that's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that just aren't enthusiastic in general. He just seemed like mad to be playing professional basketball. So, uh, I mean, there was other guys like Devin Booker said, oh, I didn't talk to coach all summer, like trying to downplay a little bit, which like, right. That's what you kind of have to do. But man, I just, I don't see this not boiling over at some point and just being a mess. I think Aiden probably takes a step back this season. I just, I don't know if I'm drafting him. I mean, regardless of this, just let's just look at the trend with Aiden the past few years. The rebounds uh, went from 11 and a half to 10 and a half to 10.2 this past season. His blocks have gone from one and a half to 1.2 to 0.7. I mean, we're just, it's a very young player who could easily, you know, get back on the ascent, but we've seen a decline the last few years. And I just don't know how much fantasy ceiling is here, Raph. I mean, I know it's theoretically there, but in terms of the here and now, I don't know that I want to project for him when the ceiling wasn't incredible in the first place and just yeah. hope that it gets better somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get that. So I think for me personally, I think he has the potential to be a top 25 player, like on the, the yeah. back end of that. Um yeah. But, you know, offensively, you think about Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they're going to command a lot of the basketball. Right. Maybe that maybe the, some of the frustration comes out there as well because he doesn't always get the ball as much as a seven-footer with his potential probably should. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with people not touching him at all because I certainly understand that. But I think – what do you think? Like end of the third round, if he's there, I think you kind of have to take him personally. No, no, I'll I'm probably out. Wait. Oh wow. Maybe yeah. maybe probably fifth round is what I would say. Just just I but mean, this is not numbers based. This is all what I watched at media day. This okay. is Nick and me. Right. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with his this numbers. Is at psychological. All. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, look, I mean, absolutely, hypothetically. Is, I'm just looking up his numbers right now. Is there a, you know, 20 and 12 season in there with a block and a half and, you know, good percentages and all that good stuff? For sure. I mean, that's within the range of outcomes that he just comes out and is awesome this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I'm just, I'm scared. I mean, last year he was at 17 and 10 with 0.7 steals, 0.7 blocks. That's just not a, that's not a difference maker in fantasy. Yeah. It's fine. He's playable. He's rosterable. He's startable. But it's just not a guy who, for your third pick, you got to have a little more juice than that, you know? Like, where's that guy making it? I mean, the rebounds are nice, but I can, I can get rebounds in the third round. <laughs> so I'd rather take Scotty Barnes, for example. I'd rather take Scotty Barnes, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking him in the third round of this draft there, and no, he's not getting back to you if he's still there. Uh, okay, so I guess I have the third round reversal, so I guess I have to get him at pick 25. Cool. Oh, it's a third. Uh. <laughs> See? Shouldn't told him. <laughs> broke something. Yeah, I was. Well, maybe I'm playing. Away. Maybe I'm playing psychological games. Maybe I, right. I didn't want him. <laughs> Third round reversal. Sheesh! Didn't realize we were doing that. <laughs> Not a big fan. Not a big fan. Okay. Uh, getting back to back on track. This roster, you know, Aiton is back. There's a lot of continuity <clears throat> here. Um, I guess I want to ask mainly. We just talked about a guy we're a little concerned about, that being DeAndre Ayton, or Raph seems a little less concerned. But who who do you see on this roster, Noah, in terms of someone who could potentially make a leap? I, I have I have a player in mind, but I'm curious if it, if it matches what you're thinking. 
I mean, I think the obvious answer is Cam Johnson. I mean, mm-hmm. with Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. you know, frustrated mm-hmm. to say the least, um, mm-hmm. not reporting to training camp until he's traded, he's gone. So depending on what Phoenix gets back, I mean, Cam Johnson's probably going to be the starting power forward. And Monty Williams mentioned uh, during one of the press conferences that he wants to see both Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges uh, get some more playmaking opportunities, pushing the ball down the floor, really setting up the offense, uh, which means mm-hmm. I guess it just wouldn't all go through Chris Paul. But I think, you know, Cam Johnson was excellent when he started games last season uh, during the stretch when Phoenix faced a lot of injuries. I want to say, I don't remember who all was out. There was a stretch of games where like basically everybody was out and we were talking about either Cam Payne or Cam Johnson as to who we were yeah. looking to start in fantasy. And he was great yeah. then, and then he got hurt. But I think adding him into that starting lineup, I mean, he's – Got to have a breakout year. Yeah, the Cam Johnson bid is official. Uh, Monty said that yesterday during his press conference that he's the starting power forward. They do want to get someone else in there um, to add mm-hmm. depth, but that's Cam's job for now. So, and he was a top 100 player last season. So, I think that's that's a fair expectation for him. Um, maybe even gets a little higher, but I think between he and Mikael Bridges. I think you're yeah. betting more on the consistency as opposed to an explosion in numbers, um, so to speak. Right. So I think those two are going to be perfectly fine. If there's a concern for me, it would be Chris Paul. Um, he stayed healthy his two years in Phoenix for the most part, but we know the prior history there and not getting any younger. So I think if you're going to be concerned about anyone, it would probably be him. Yeah, Cam Johnson's interesting. That's not the name I was thinking of, but it makes sense that you guys brought him up. Um, per 36 minutes, he was around 17 points, six rebounds, two assists, 1.2 steals, three and a half threes. So a lot to like there um, if he really is going to get that opportunity. I was just thinking about Bridges, I, and I really just wanted yeah. to say, I just wanted to ask you guys what you think because he's become such a high-floor guy, right? I mean, last year, mm-hmm. 14 points, four boards, a couple dimes, 1.2 steals, 1.4 threes. His blocks were a disappointment last year, uh, 0.4 down from 0.9 the year before. But he played all 82 games. He also averaged 1.1 steals, 1.0 blocks in the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, that's a guy I'm wondering, ha- have we seen close to the ceiling or or is there something, a, a little something else in there, Raph? But we don't need a lot more. I mean, could could this be a guy who averages 15, 16 points per game one day? Like, oh, yeah. Defensive I, I definitely think so. Um, I think – the biggest issue for him is the pre- you have Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker, you have mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton. So that kind of limits him offensively. But yeah, you know, he's getting you these numbers on good percentages. He just isn't – I think he's going to – I feel like he's a safe bet to get you fifth-round value. The question is, yeah. do you take him in the fifth round? Just because, you know, that's kind of where I like to gamble. You know, take some swings right. on guys. He's more of like that ground rule double. That's a pretty safe pick as opposed to a potential home run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good. Yeah, baseball. I think the uh, <laughs> the playmaking opportunities that Monty Williams mentioned is where I could see Mikael Bridges kind of increasing his uh-huh. value. I mean, we could see a couple extra points. Hopefully, we see the blocks go back up. I don't know. I mean, like you said, I think Raph said uh, with Chris Paul book and Aiton there, it's hard to see him like really increasing his value that much. But we also talked about Chris Paul's age. Like how many more years yeah. can he play at this level or just 15. play in general? Yeah, that's true. They're <laughs> probably going to move him to center 
and that's where it'll extend his career. <laughs> um, that's the next phase. But yeah, I mean, I think a couple of years down the road, maybe we see it. But I think as long uh-huh. as they have this core nucleus in place, it's going to be hard for him to increase his value a ton. The talent's there, but I don't know if the opportunity necessarily is. But they have, I mean, a couple of veterans for depth, but they really, I mean, if you look at the depth chart, it's not. I don't know. It doesn't feel to me like there's a ton of other options off the bench that are going to be valuable in fantasy whatsoever. Like it's it's those five guys now that Jay Crowder is basically gone. It's funny, Raph. I'm not going to go back and find it, but I do feel like we were having a similar conversation about Bridges like a year ago this time. Yeah. We were saying, do you want to take him in that like fifth round range? That's <laughs> that's like the value he technically provides, but are, do you feel good about that guy as your fifth best player on your roster? I personally, as much as I like him, don't but i think if he somehow slips past that then into the mid you know a little more of the middle round range then i'm like yeah yeah like i don't think i'm getting him i don't think i'm getting him in the seventh round but like that would be cool you know yeah that'd be neat Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah okay okay um last team for us to talk about here well we have a couple few more teams to talk about but the last team in this division is the kings and i want to start with the point guard uh some of us i don't know if all of us we're legitimately excited about De'Aaron Fox at this time last year, coming off his pretty great finish from the prior season. And, I mean, I think it's safe to say he was somewhat of a letdown. It's not like he had a bad season, but, you know, it's, and it's weird to call a guy who averaged 23 points per game and five and a half assists a letdown, but we did see his points drop by two per game. We saw his assists go down by one and a half per game. The steals went down a little bit. His three-point shooting, which was never great, dipped below 30%. Um Raph, are we are we in a a post hype potential situation here with De'Aaron Fox? Like, where are you with him coming off of last year? Yeah, I think he'll bounce back. We also had the injury, which was kind of interesting timing where it happened, like right before they traded Tyrese Halliburton. Then the mm-hmm. trade happens and he's back on the floor. Maybe it was just a right. coincidence, but you know, I think clearing up that logjam at the point where it's going to be De'Aaron sure. as a starter. Davion Mitchell will back him up. I think that's going to help him, as will be having a full offseason and training camp with DeMontis Sabonis. So Mm -hmm. I think that he'll bounce back. I'm not one to really buy in on Fox just because of the percentages. Like I think in the categories league, that that could be a potential problem where you have to later in the draft, like kind of factor that in when you're making other picks. So I don't know. I think he's going to be a good fantasy player, but he's not someone that I'm going to be looking to pick in my drafts. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, okay, so if you look at last season after the Halliburton trade, the last two months of yeah, the season, please. his uh, he played 14 games, so small sample size, but 29.1 points, 7.1 assists, 1.1 steals, 2.1 triples. Sounds great, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, during that time, uh, fourth round value on a per game basis. So yeah. okay. can he sustain those numbers for an entire season? I don't know, maybe close, mm-hmm. but probably not 29 points per game. And even if he does sustain that for an entire season, if it's only fourth round value per game, is it is he a guy worth reaching on? I think fifth, sixth round, very fair. But I think because of the kind of talent that he is, he may not be right. there in every single draft. So I think that the Kings are going to finally be, dare I say it, competitive this year. And like that's how mm-hmm. it kind of looks. But I don't know if it really translate and it translates into a ton of fantasy success 
for De'Aaron Fox. I feel like this will be one would be one of my favorite panic picks. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm in any draft where it's like a fast clock and I'm multitasking, I'm like, oh no, I'm up. Like Fox. Okay. You know, I, I at least you know there's plenty there's there's some upside here and there's some floor. His free throws, by the way, were a career best seventy five last year. That's not a great number, but he did make some improvement there during a disappointing season. And his turnovers were below three, which is you know, for a a point guard who has the ball as much as he does is uh, is kind of a nice number too. So mm-hmm. those are uh, some silver linings in this situation. I want to go now to DeMontis Sabonis, who we already mentioned. Um, he saw not a big, but kind of like Fox, a dip in his points, assists, steals, blocks, and threes. Those all took a little hit from what he did the year before. Noah, are you optimistic for you know maybe more of the Sabonis we saw the prior year in Indiana, or do you do you? Uh, how do you feel about this situation, bottom line? I could definitely see a bounce back for him. I think having a, a full summer with this new roster and with De'Aaron Fox is going to help. Um, he's playing next to Keegan Murray, not Miles Turner. So I think that'll kind of help him you know, get back some blocks, um, definitely increase his rebounds now that he's playing next to probably a guy that Murray's more of a power forward with Sabonis at center, whereas in Indiana, it was never really clear who was the center, who was the power forward. Um and just, I guess, some continuity with his teammates. There's a lot of injuries in Indiana last season before the trade. So I think definitely looking to see him get back to kind of where he was, um, bounce back from the down year. And I don't know. I'm apparently high on the Kings now, which is kind of weird to say. I just I like the moves they made this summer. I think at the trade deadline last year, we were kind of like, oh, it's just same old Kings making some move that just makes zero sense. And I still don't necessarily agree with the move, but it looks they're they look like they could actually make the, at least the play in game with the talent they have and Mike Brown, a head coach. Yeah, I think there's certainly room for optimism here. But if you're expecting the assists to get back up to what they were during that 2021, 2020, 21 season, mm-hmm. I think you're in for a rude awakening because you, you look back at that Pacers team. Malcolm Brogdon played 56 games, Karis LeVert 35, mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo 9. So those are you know three perimeter playmaking options that weren't on the court very often. So Sabonis had the ball a lot more. Sacramento, you've got De'Aaron Fox. Um, he's going to have the ball in his hands plenty. Not too sold on the rest of that roster, but... I think Sabonis, if you can get like four to four and a half to five assists per game, you're going to really like that because he's going to get you the other things. He's going to get you the points. He's going to get you the rebounds. I'm not too worried about the defensive stats. They really didn't drop off by much. You look at the per game averages. So I don't know. I've seen some people take him in the second round. That's a little too early for me, but I think third round is fine for Sabonis personally. Yeah. My, my only hesitation with him is just the. Steals, blocks, and threes, you know, a combined two steals, blocks, yeah. and threes last year. A steal, 0.4 blocks, 0.6 threes. Not to say he can't do better, but that's just my concern with an early round pick. Um, also, three turnovers per game and 74% from the free throw line. But points, rebounds, assists, there's a lot to like there. Uh, quickly, before we move on from the Kings, uh, Raf, you know, you, you've spent a lot of time covering college hoops, so I want to throw this your way first. Keegan Murray. What's a realistic expectation for him in year one? I mean, can we different set of numbers, right? But can we could he potentially make a Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley type of impact as a rookie this year, or is that putting too much on him? I think it's a little too much. Um, you know, in the case of Barnes, 
He joined a roster that initially didn't have OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam due to injuries. Mm. Uh, we knew that Evan Mobley was going to be a starter in Cleveland from day one. Murray looks like he's going to be a starter as well, but I look when you have Fox and you have Sabonis, I just don't know if the usage is going to be there right away. I think he's mm-hmm. definitely going to be one of the top rookies in fantasy basketball, but I don't know if I can put him on that Barnes Mobley level you know, right now, especially when he's still working back from offseason wrist surgery. He looks pretty good. You know, he's been shooting the ball recently, but I don't know. You think about those guys, Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter. Yeah. I think the Barnes Mobley expectation would be a bit much for Keegan Murray from the start. Yeah, I agree. It's I could definitely see a good season out of him. I would say top yeah. 100. Uh, but Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, that was incredible rookie seasons <laughs> mm-hmm. from those guys. Like we don't see that every season. Um, but I mean, Murray got defensive stats, rebounds, points, triples when he was at yeah. Iowa summer yeah. league, summer league MVP, 23.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 1.3 steals, yeah. shot 40% from deep. Like he's going to be just fine. Should slide in as power, uh, the starting power forward there. And I don't know. He was a guy coming out of college that I was like, okay, he has the skill set that he can step in day one and score in an NBA yeah. level. And a lot of other yeah. guys have a ton of potential, but he's a guy that can score day one. And a lot of times that's what leads to rookie of the year. So I could definitely see Murray having top 100 season, rookie of the year season. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are in a league of their own. That's fair. I just, you know, want to relive that magic. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Murray does have the look of like a, a plug and play, has had the look of like a plug and play, yeah. like ready-made NBA score, like you said. And he's got the size. He's got he's got all of that. So um, good to good to temper my expectations, though. Uh, that's useful. Guys, that's the Pacific Division. Before we go, we're going to do some real quick hits. I just want to hear like a quick thought or two on each of these situations from you guys. It can be more than a yes or no, but... Uh, it's got to be less than nine paragraphs on each one. Okay, here we go. Bulls, Lonzo Ball, out a long time via Shams Trania. He's going to miss at least a few months off this latest surgery, uh, which is just brutal, obviously. But meanwhile, via Cody Westerland on Twitter, you've got Zach Levine hyping up Io DeSumo with Levine saying, quote, he's going to have a huge sophomore season. Are you buying into DeSumo or too much uh, other veteran guys there, Noah, than Raf? I would definitely uh, look at Sumu as the guy with the most fantasy potential out of the other point guard options in Chicago. Uh, I mean, you have Goran Dragic and you have Alex Caruso. Caruso can get steals. Mm-hmm. Dragic's a solid veteran, but I think as as far as fantasy production, we're really hoping uh, Sumu is the starter there. Uh, can hit some hit some threes, okay. Really good defender. I think he fits in really well with that team. Um, and I forget. If somebody that's kind of somebody else said that he always improves every season, um, mm-hmm. and he has since like high school. I forget who said it was a former NBA player too, um, but I have kind of higher expectations and really is ho- am hoping he starts. I'm in full agreement there. I think Dasumu, if you're looking for a late round guy with fantasy ceiling amongst those Bulls options, I think he's the guy to go with. Um, I, Kobe White's come up in trade speculation, so I don't see him offering much beyond that reserve role that he's got. And it may even lessen with the addition of Dragic. So you got a healthy Caruso. I think he's going to be in closing lineups. But as Noah noted out, pointed out, the offensive potential really isn't there with him as it as it is with the Sunni. 
All right, next one via Jared Weiss of The Athletic. Al Horford now says he is planning to play back-to-backs. Uh, obviously, we have no Robert Williams for quite a while. Uh, Raph, are, are we buying in on, on Horford? I, I, I can't seem to stop drafting Horford uh, in fantasy, and it feels like it's going to happen again. Where are you on this one? You won't feel too bad if you draft him in the later rounds yeah. because they really don't yeah. have too many other like proven bigs on that roster right now who are healthy, so... Yeah, I'm not too thrilled about it, but it's one of those things. It's like a, a dependable option, like the, the grocery uh-huh. store where you're kind of searching for something to grab. You're like, oh, this works. Works before, right. so you just pick Horford. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah. What's, what is that? Let's think about what that is. What do you grab in there? Noah, where, where are you on this one? I think about food. <laughs> you know, I think about browsing the aisles. Okay. <laughs> um, over the last two months of last season, Horford was a third-round or playing at a third round value on a per game basis. Yeah. And his current ADP on Yahoo is 91. I remembered because I, yeah. I wrote about it the other day. That's why I remembered mm-hmm. those numbers, but Eric uh, was able to get to them quickly. I think uh, with Robert Williams out long term, Horford playing back to backs, he's going to start at center. He's going to be very productive. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's kind of him and Grant Williams there until Robert Williams gets back. I think both guys are solid option. I think, Matt, you should draft Atlanta Hawks legend Al Horford again. Okay, take him in the third round of this tri- slow draft. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Actually, yeah, yeah. Take him in the third round. Done. <laughs> um, hopefully I get him because there's a third round reversal. So Horford last year, 10.2 points, 7.7 boards, 3.4 dimes, 1.3 blocks, 1.3 threes. I mean, and, and was great in the playoffs. I don't know. Not not a super high ceiling, but just really easy way to add some blocks to your roster and get some assists, boards, et cetera, as well in later rounds. So I'm in on this one. Jamal Murray, via Joel Rush on Twitter. Murray says he's, quote, back to normal. Jamal Murray optimism all of a sudden. Uh, Noah, then Raph. Uh, yeah? No? Good? Bad? Buying in? Interested? Yeah, I'm interested. He's way too talented to let him slide too far. Nuggets play 12 back-to-backs. That's tied for lowest in the league. He probably mm-hmm. won't play those. He'll probably get other rest days. But I think he's, you know, he's more of a safe bet to play 50-55 games than the two stars for each LA team, if we're being honest. Yeah. So, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm all in on Jamal Murray. Hmm. Nice. I mean, look, I don't think we would have been saying this a couple months ago, so that's pretty noteworthy to me. You know, I think it yeah. was it was doom and gloom not that long ago. Like, he's not going to be ready. Uh, well, so it looks like he's turned the corner. So that's, that's a guy to certainly be watching closely during preseason. We're going to close this out in Orlando, and I don't even know that we need to – comment on this first one but i'm just this is a jonathan isaac update via kobe price of the orlando sentinel isaac is not currently participating in full team practices will be integrated slowly depending on how he responds to individual work again that's kobe price of the orlando sentinel none of that sounds encouraging so i'm going to speed ahead to his teammate also not encouraging markel fultz already injured orlando sentinel says he has a fractured left big toe so it's wheels up for cole anthony but Raph, are we excited about Cole Anthony? No. Like, yeah. uh, you look at his percentages, and I really can't be too excited about him. Um, yeah. Maybe they play give Jalen Suggs more time at the point as well. I would be mm-hmm. a bit more excited about him just because of the defensive potential. But if you look at his mm-hmm. percentages, he shot ah, the ball yes. terribly when healthy <laughs> last season too. So, yeah, yeah. May, if anything, maybe this boosts Paolo Bancaro a bit more in terms of the playmaking opportunities. Mm. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you so you try to me, search for optimism. 
what I just heard there is Paolo Bencaro is this year's Scotty Barnes. That's what I just heard. <laughs> uh, got it. Noah, quick thought on this one from you. Yeah, I think, you know, just to mention Jonathan Isaac, I've been trying to trade him in my dynasty league. I'm hoping that it eventually works out. Um, yes. I've, had him, I've had him stashed on an IR for like two years. So I'm just hoping to get something, but yeah. for Fultz, you know, I think, wasn't he the, uh, the guy who just said the other day that he thinks the magic can finish as a four seed. I think it's just kind of disappointing to see how many injuries he's uh, kind of faced in his mm-hmm. career. Yeah. But as far as, you know, Cole Anthony, the Orlando himself. magic when he said that. Was yeah. That, I, I think, I think that's what he meant. I would okay. guess that's what he meant, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know. What else do you say? What else? Yeah. Do you yeah. Say? But true. Um, well, the four, I mean, you could say like eight, you know, like maybe return to the playoffs, maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make, make play um, yeah. but yeah. Raf mentioned Ben Caro. I'm going to mention Franz Wagner. I think that yeah. those two are probably going to benefit the most from other mm-hmm. point guards, not being able to play. Uh, just because mm-hmm. I think you know the Magic kind of recognize that those two, along with Wendell Carter, are probably their three best players right now, um, yeah. and also with long term potential. So, getting those playmakers the ball, they have the size advantage, so they're going to try and use it because that's how they can get an advantage and fight for that four seed um, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, quickly on Cole Anthony, that you know, there were some good things he did last year: sixteen point three points, five point four boards, five point seven assists, two threes, but. As you said, Raph, that came with 39.1 from the floor. He's been below 40% each of his first two years. Also just 0.7 steals. So that combo is just tough to take. I mean, a guy who also shoots a fair amount. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's – is it too early to say he's not going to fix this? I don't know. But I don't want to take that risk until I've seen it. So yeah. for that reason, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. As we mentioned earlier, we will see you next week for Hoops Fest on Thursday, October 6th, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And as we said, you'll be able to listen here on the podcast after the fact as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. Noah, Raf, thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekends. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.